0: section eighteen of the fairchild family this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by audrey gigger the fairchild family by martha sherwood story of the last days of mrs howard it was about half a year after the things had happened which are related in the last story of mrs howard that betty one evening when she returned from market upon crop came into the parlour to her mistress and said ma'am i have heard a bit of news mr bennett is going to leave the country indeed betty said mrs howard how has that happened some relation towards london has left him a property and our county is glad of anything that takes off the family well well betty said mrs howard and betty knew that when her mistress said well well it was a hint to her to say no more on the subject mrs howard soon heard from other quarters that the Bennets were going but they were not to be off till the lady day next a week or two before that time betty had occasion to go again to town many things were wanted and on such occasions crop did not object to carry panniers when betty was quite ready and crop at the door and the woman in the house who always came to take care of things on such occasions she came to ask her mistress if there was anything more not yet mentioned. Betty never traveled in cold weather without a long blue cloak and a black felt hat tied over her mob. Yes, Betty, replied Mrs. Howard, but you must be very particular. You must get me two small neat bibles with gilt edges bound in Morocco, scarlet, or green. I should wish them alike, and a clear print, besides which you must bring a young gentleman's pocketbook all complete and handsome with a silver clasp and lastly you must bring me a genteel equipage in chased silver the furniture quite complete and as it should be and mind it is well wrapped in paper oh ma'am said betty how shall i be able to choose one that will exactly suit for what you want i am quite afraid to undertake the bringing of a genteel equipage there is such a difference of opinion about so tasty a thing betty replied mrs howard you know i am always pleased with your taste and if anyone in the world knows what i like it is you my good girl mrs howard often called betty a good girl though she was too old to be so called but it was a habit in those days in which the old lady lived i should know your taste ma'am said betty smiling by this time i should think me who has lived in yours in your lady mother's service four-and-forty years next candlemas and so saying betty set out pray ma'am asked lucy what is an equipage a fine carriage and horses to be sure lucy said henry lady noble had an equipage i heard john once say that's a fine equipage when he saw lady noble riding by oh henry said emily surely what betty was to bring with her could not be a carriage and horses wrapped in paper mrs Goodrich smiled and explained to the children what mrs howard meant she told them that an equipage was a little case which held a thimble scissors a pencil or other such little matters and being either of gold or silver was hung to the girdle to balance the great watches worn by the grandmothers and great-grandmothers of people now living thank you ma'am said lucy and now please too go on and tell us what mrs howard meant to do with this equipage when betty returned continued mrs goodrish mrs howard was well satisfied with what she had done and the very next sunday evening she took occasion after service to speak to master and miss Bennet, and to invite them to tea for the next evening i wonder said master jacky to miss polly as they walked home together by their mother what she can want with us I promise you I shan't go. What's that you're saying, Jackie? said Mrs. Bennet. Miss Polly then told her mother of the invitation and what her brother had said. You had best go, said Mrs. Bennet, and you may, perhaps, get some pretty present. I was told by one who was told by another that Betty was in town last week and laying out money at the silversmiths and at Mr. Bates, the bookseller's, so i would have you go you don't know but that the old lady may have some keepsakes to give you well then said Jackie. if polly goes i will for i don't see why she is to have the presents and mean nothing but as to anything that mrs howard ever gave me yet added the rude boy i might put it into my eye and see none the worse and whose fault is that said miss polly it don't become you to talk miss replied Jackie, for if i have had nothing you have had no more so there is half a dozen for one and six for another by this discourse we may see said mrs Goodrich, that no great change for the better had yet passed on these rude children but they had got a notion that as Jackie said there were presents in the wind and they set out for mrs howards determining to behave their best Though they did not tell their thoughts to each other for jackie hoped that polly would disgrace herself and get nothing and polly had the same kind wishes for jackie mrs howard received them in the summer parlor and they both behaved themselves very well but more out of spite for each other than from love of what is right in itself but you shall hear by and by how i came to the knowledge of these their thoughts betty had made a cake and there was a roast fowl and hot apple tart for supper and between tea and supper mrs howard showed them many curious things pictures and dolls dressed in the fashions of her youth and a number of other things which she kept in a japan cabinet which always stood in the summer parlor while she lived in this house it was not till after supper that she brought out the two bibles and the pocket-book and equipage she then laid them before her on the table and spoke to the two children she began by saying that as they were going out of the country and she was far in years she might perhaps never see them again in this world she then spoke in her own sweet warm way of what our dear saviour has done for us and when she had said as much as she thought the children could bear she presented each a bible having written their names in them she next took the other presents in her hands and these my dears she said i ask you to accept i am sorry if on former occasions i may have seemed harsh to you but these little gifts are to prove that i am truly sorry if i ever gave you pain when you look at them you will think of me and know that nothing would ever give me more delight than to hear that you are both walking in the ways of holiness she then put the pocket-book into Jackie's hand and the equipage into miss polly's but she hardly expected what followed the two children burst into tears jackie rubbed his eyes to hide his but miss polly sprang from her chair and fell weeping into mrs howard's arms we will we will try to do better ma'am she said we will indeed as the children walked home they said not one word to each other and a very few days afterwards the family left the country mr bennett not having had even the decency to call and say good-bye to the old lady mrs howard was half-way between sixty and seventy when the Bennets left the country and was supposed by many to be older for she had dressed like an old woman for many years her hair had long been gray and she had always been a weakly person very small and very pale she however continued to live in this house as many as seventeen years after the bennetts were gone and every year till the last had her children's party but a change was coming on her household crop had died years before and betty afterwards always went to town in the market-cart but what was the loss of crop to the loss of betty betty was younger than mrs howard but she was called away before her she had lived forty years with mrs howard in this very house and the loss could not be made up to her in this world mrs howard had a great nephew a surgeon of the name of johnson who lived in a fair village called pangburn in berkshire and when he heard of the death of betty and how low his aunt was he came to her and persuaded her to leave the country and go and reside near to him she was at first unwilling to go but was at last persuaded she took nothing with her but her favourite chair her old round table her books and her cabinet her nephew got her some very pleasant rooms in a house called the woodhouse about half a mile from the village towards the hills which are near the place that side of pangburn was in those days almost a continued wood coppice with occasional tall trees towards the hills and there was a narrow road and raised path through the wood to town mrs howard's parlor had an old-fashioned bow window in it looking to the road though somewhat raised above it and mrs howard as old people do loved in fine weather to sit in the bow and see the few people who passed. Every day her kind nephew came to see her, and now and then she returned his visit, but she was getting very infirm, though she had lost neither sight nor hearing, could read and work as in her younger days, and having got over the first shock of losing Betty, and the fatigue of the change, her faith in God's love was making her as happy as she had been before she liked the people also who kept the house and made herself very pleasant to them though she went to pangburn in the autumn she did not until the month of april find the pleasure of sitting in the bow-window it was then that she first noticed two little girls passing and returning every day at certain hours to and from the village they were so near of a size that she thought they must be twins they were very fair and very pretty and very neat they wore light green stuff frocks with lawn aprons and tippets and little tight neat silk bonnets of the colour of their frocks they both always carried a sort of satchel as if they were going and coming from school and there was often with them when they went to the village either a man or woman servant such as might be supposed to belong to a farmhouse they often however passed by the window in the evening without a servant and sometimes were met by a servant near the house these little ones could not from their appearance have been more than seven years of age as mrs howard watched them from day to day she thought them the pleasantest little people she had seen for a long time and all her ancient love for children which age and weakness had almost made her fancy was snipped and blighted began to spring up again and blossom as flowers in may She wished to get acquainted with these Fair Ones, but she took her own way to do so. She began one morning, when her window was open, by giving them a kind smile as they were walking gravely by, with a man in a smock-frock behind them. On seeing the smile, they both stopped short and dropped formal curtsies. From that time, for a week or more, these smiles and these curtsies passed between the old lady and the twins twice every day regularly before the end of the week the children had left off looking grave at the lady and gave smile for smile you may be sure that mrs howard though she had not poor betty and crop to send on her errands did manage to get some pretty toys ready to give these little girls whenever the time should come when she should think it right to make herself better acquainted with them but she thought that she would observe their ways first and in doing so she saw several things which pleased her once she saw them give a poor beggar some of what had been put in their satchels for their dinners and she saw them another time pick up something which a very old man had dropped and give it to him as politely as they would have done to my lord judge though it was only a potato which he had dropped from a basket seeing this it reminded her of the old man and his bundle of sticks and of the ill behaviour of master bennet and then all those old days came fresh to her mind mrs howard had sent a friend to london to get the toys two dolls exactly alike and the histories of miss jemima meek and peter pippin were the things she sent for and they had not arrived a week when mrs howard found a use for them it was the beginning of july and a very hot close day mrs howard sat at her window and saw the little ones go as usual towards the village it was saturday and she knew that they would be back again about one for it was a half-holiday the heat became greater and greater towards noon there was not a breath of air and the sun was hidden by a red glaring mist we shall have a tempest said mrs howard to a maid who had been hired to wait upon her i hope the little girls will get home before it comes on have they far to go when mrs howard had explained what little girls she meant the maid told her that they were the children of a farmer of the name of Simmons, and that the house was not a half-mile distant up the lane. Whilst Mrs. Howard was talking with the servant, the heavens had grown black, the clouds hung low, there was a creaking, groaning sort of sound among the trees, and the larger birds arose and flew heavily over the woods, uttering harsh cryings. "'It's coming,' said the servant, and at the same instant the two little ones appeared walking from the village. "'There they are!' cried mrs howard and at the same moment a tremendous flash of lightning covered the whole heavens followed by a peal of awful thunder mrs howard put her head out of the window and called the little girls who from very fright were standing still they gladly obeyed the call and the maid went down to meet them and the next minute they stood curtseying within the parlour door the maid had seen a boy had been sent to meet them and sent him back to tell his mistress that the misses were with the lady and that she would keep them till the storm was over what lady am i to say asked the boy our lady replied the maid surgeon johnson's aunt the boy ran home and told mrs simmons not to be uneasy for little missus were safe with madame johnson who lodged at the woodhouse so mrs simmons was made easy about her pretty daughters well my dears said mrs howard putting her hands out to the little people i am glad to see you in my parlor thank you ma'am said one of them and the other repeated the same words as they spoke they came near and put each a hand into mrs howard's let me look at you my children said the old lady in her pleasant smiling way you are like two lilies growing out of one root i cannot tell one from the other what are your names i am mary ma'am said the eldest and i am amelia said the other amelia said mrs howard why that is my name but which is the oldest we came to our mother the same day replied mary but i came first only a very little while though indeed said mrs howard mrs Paines had come into the parlour after the children to see and hear what was going forward and now she thought it time to put in a word yes ma'am she said they are twins they are the only ones their mother ever had and they are two pretty misses and very good children are not you very good my precious dears the two little ones turned to her and answered both together no ma'am mrs howard rather wondered at this answer and said not good my dears how is that we wish to be good ma'am said one of the little girls but we are not well to be sure remarked mrs baines but you have a very good mamma my little dears mamma is good to us said mary but god is the only real good person added amelia mrs howard was rather surprised but as the storm was still getting more frightful she moved her chair shut the window and sat in the middle of the room the two little ones in their fear clinging to her while she put an arm around each of them mrs Baynes went out to close the windows and they were left together peel came after peel and flash after flash and the old lady and children trembled we ought not to fear said mrs howard it is wrong as not the lightning in the hands of god we will try not to be afraid said the little ones and they clung closer to mrs howard And now there came a fearful hailstorm patter patter against the window, and when the hail ceased, the rain came pouring down. Now, my loves, let us thank God said Mrs. Howard the danger is past. The little ones, with that quick obedience which we see in children only who are well brought up, joined their hands and said, Thank God! but they expressed some fear lest their mother should be frightened about them. We will see about that said mrs howard and she rang the handbell which always stood on the table for bells were not then fixed on cranks and wires in every room as they are now up came mrs Baines again and told the little ones that their mother knew where they were for she had sent her a message by the boy then we can stay ma'am said the children quite pleased and mrs howard asked to have the dinner sent up requesting mrs Baines to make up a little more from her own pantry if she could that shall be done ma'am she answered and she added some eggs and bacon and a currant tart to mrs howard's four bones of roast lamb we should like to dine with you ma'am said one of the little girls and to drink tea with you sometimes mrs howard did not yet know one from the other but she felt that all her love for children was burning up again in her heart i am old my dears she answered and cannot bear noise and bustle if you can be quiet I shall be glad to see you often but if you tire me i cannot have you i hope we shall be quiet they answered and then they asked her if she was very very old she told them she was eighty-two and they said to each other then we must be very quiet the maid came in to lay the cloth and they seemed quite amused by looking at her the table was very small but they said there would be quite room and by mrs howard's direction they went to her bedroom took off their bonnets and the maid combed their pretty curling hair they behaved as well as children could possibly do at a table though they prattled a little and told mrs howard of the animals they had at home their kittens and the old cat and an owl in the garden called ralph and many other things when the dinner was removed mrs howard said she had a great treat for them what is it ma'am they said something very nice replied the old lady and going to the corner cupboard she brought out a doll's cradle and a small trunk full of doll's clothes and the two new dolls both wrapped in the paper in which they had come from london now she said these are dolls which i keep for my visitors and when you are here you may play with them i do not call them yours only when you are here but you may choose which you will call your own in this house their names are mary and amelia oh ma'am oh ma'am cried the children they were too glad to say another word you may take out the clothes from the trunk and dress them but before you go you must put on their night dresses, and put them to bed in the cradle and restore all the clothes to the trunk the little ones quite trembled with joy they were past speaking now said mrs howard go into the bow window the lightning is past I must keep in my chair and you must not disturb me if the day was finer i should let you go into the garden to play but today you cannot the happy little girls went with the dolls into the bow window and mrs howard got her usual short sleep they did not make any noise in all their behaviour they showed that they had been well brought up they drank tea with mrs howard and were very busy after tea in showing all the clothes to their old kind friend and in packing them up in the trunk and putting the dolls in the cradle and restoring all the things to the place from whence they had been taken mrs howard saw them kiss the dolls and heard them wish them a good night when they had done mrs simmons had sent her green market-cart and cloaks for the little girls when the cart came they both kissed mrs howard and asked her if they had been quiet very quiet my dears she answered then may we come again you may my darlings answered the old lady and next saturday shall be the day if all is well the fair little creatures did come on the day fixed and the man who fetched them home that night brought mrs howard a small cream cheese and several pats of fresh butter with many many thanks from mrs simmons for her great kindness to her children from the day of the thunderstorm till the end of the summer the little girls spent saturday afternoon every week with mrs howard and now and then stopped an hour with her on other days and never passed the window without speaking to her after coming in with flowers or fruit or a fresh egg or some little thing from the garden or poultry-yard thus a friendship grew between the old lady and these little girls that one might have thought that mrs howard must have been their grandmother often and often she would hear them read a chapter or repeat a hymn and do what she could to improve their minds she taught them to sing some fine old psalm tunes and she also taught them some new stitches in the samplers they were working many times she walked between them a little way in the wood whilst they carried the dolls and in these walks she often told them stories so that they loved her more and more every day and tried more and more to please her all this time mrs simmons had been so busy with the work of the farm that she had not found a time to come herself to thank mrs howard for all she was doing for her little ones and it was rather strange that all this time she had understood that the kind old lady's name was johnson the children never called her anything but our nice lady and never thought of any other name for her but the harvest time being over mr simmons told his wife that she must not put off calling on the lady any longer and be sure he said that you take something nice in your hand or let the boy carry it after you some nice cakes and butter-pats or anything else and you may as well go and meet the children as they come home this evening and go in with them mrs simmons was one of those old-fashioned wives who never went anywhere but the church and as her church was not at pangburn she seldom passed the wood-house she however made up her basket of presents and having dressed herself neatly she took the boy and went to meet her children she met them a little above the wood-house and they turned back with her and soon brought her to the door of mrs howard's parlor there they knocked and the old lady having called them to come in the twins entered leading their mother but how great was their surprise when their mother at the sight of mrs howard uttered a cry ran forwards and threw her arms round the old lady's neck oh dear dear mrs howard she said is it you can it be you mrs howard did not know mrs simmons and as she drew herself civilly from her arms she said indeed ma'am i have not the pleasure of knowing you not remember polly bennet replied mrs simmons but i remember you my best and dearest friend and shall remember you for i have cause to do so when time shall be no more mrs howard now herself came forward and kissed mrs simmons The tears stood in the old lady's eyes, and she placed her old thin hands in the others. And are you, she said, the mother of these dear little girls, and have I lived near you so long and not known you? Now I think I can trace the features. Sit down, my dear friend, and tell me all about yourself and your family. I have not much to say, answered Mrs. Simmons. My parents are dead, and my brother living far off, and I have been blessed beyond my deservings, and a good husband and these dear children dear indeed said mrs howard but how can i value enough what you have done for me mrs howard said mrs simmons and threw me in some sort to my mother and father before their death i do not understand you said mrs howard mrs simmons then told the old lady how she had been affected by the last kindness which she had shown to her and her brother when you sent for us dear madam we accepted your invitation because we expected presents but with presents we expected also what we had well deserved a severe lecture but when you spoke to us as you did with such amazing kindness when you even almost begged our pardons if you had been hard upon us which you never were when you spoke to us of our saviour whilst your eyes filled with tears we were cut to the heart and filled with shame and we then resolved to read the bibles you gave us and we never could forget your words the work indeed is of god but you dear lady were made the minister of it in the commencement you were the first person who made me and my brother to understand that the new spirit imparted by god to his children is a spirit of love mrs simmons said much more indeed she went on speaking till mrs howard burst into tears of joy and thankfulness the little ones were frightened to see their mother and Mrs. Howard weeping, and could not at first be made to understand that they were crying for very joy. When they understood that Mrs. Howard was an old dear friend of their mother's, they became happy again. What a pleasant party there was that evening in the bow window! The white cakes and fresh butter and cream were added to the feast, and what a delightful story was there to tell Mr. Simmons when his wife and children got home! Told the old lady said mister Simmons, that I should be ever ready to serve her to the last drop of my blood. From that time, continued Mrs. Goodrich, till the death of Mrs. Howard, which happened in her ninetieth year, mister and Mrs. Simmons were a son and daughter to her. Mary and Amelia never both left her, sometimes one, and sometimes both, being continually with her. This is a beautiful story, said Lucy. I wish it was longer said henry can't you tell us more ma'am not now my dear said mrs Goodrich. we must go in now and indeed i know not that i have any more to tell it was late when the family got home as they were returning mrs fairchild told mr fairchild the story of old mrs howard which pleased him much end of section eighteen recording by audrey gigger